in addition to being the first day of our member drive, it's also the first day of Minnesota's 2024 legislative session. So this hour, we're going to get to know the politics team here at NPR News. These are the people who will be covering what happens at the state capitol over the months ahead and explaining how it affects you. It's going to be a busy year for them as they also cover the presidential election. So later in the hour, we'll hear from senior politics reporters Dana Ferguson and Clay Masters. But first, I caught up last week with our political editor, Brian Baxt. Brian became a political editor at NPR News last October after working here almost eight years as a political correspondent. Before that, he was a correspondent for the Associated Press here in the Twin Cities. I asked him what it was like to go from covering politics as a reporter to overseeing NPR's entire political coverage as an editor. A lot more meetings. <laughs> a uh, lot th- more meetings? Th- there's, there's constantly somebody who has an idea and you want to hear him out or has a, a suggestion for for doing things in a different way. But I, th- I think I'm trying to keep a foot in both camps. I'm still trying to connect with sources regularly, you know, go out to, to see them in, the, in their natural habitat. And I'm doing some reporting on the side just because I want to make sure that I'm connected to the, to the beat that I cover and I'm watching over. Yeah, it, it's a lot. You're multitasking constantly. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, you went to the University of Minnesota. I got your undergraduate degree in journalism and political science. And uh, I should share with our listeners, there's a big uh, Sky Yuma banner on your desk. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> what got you interested in being a journalist? Uh, and then specifically covering politics. So I'll tell you a story. My interest in journalism began when I was 12 or 13, delivering the Waukesha Freeman in my hometown of McQuanago, Wisconsin. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> these these stacks of newspapers used to wind up in my driveway every morning, and I'd put them together, fold them, and put them into my bike before I took off for the day to deliver them. And I was like, boy, isn't it cool? I get to be the first one to see the news. And then I started thinking, there's a way to get even earlier in the news process, and that's reporting the news. But I've also had an interest in the political system. It's so dynamic, and there are it's it's there's constantly news there's great personalities so i wanted to marry the two and that's how i became a political journalist you know i i when i talk to young journalists i remind them i'm like you know this is like a an everyday thing there are no holidays in news no uh newsrooms are 24 uh hour a day operations has that been hard though like never really turning it off absolutely canceled vacations and or (sighs) things at night when you you get home you finally settle in and there's a message that something happened. big happened. Right. Can we get something on it? Or, or you feel at least responsible for making sure that it gets covered. Right. And uh, especially in the smartphone era, it right. is hard to turn it off. Earlier right. in your career, they had to actually reach you. They had to call you. And mm-hmm. if you picked up the phone, it was, <laughs> it was kind of on you. But, but now now it's it's there all the time. But you lean into it. I think that you accept that when you accept the mission to be a journalist, that uh, it, the news never stops. That's right. But the longer you've been in it, though, the more you can figure out a way to get to that right balance because you mm-hmm. have to have a balance. If right. you're constantly on top of your job, right. it's not good for you and it's probably not good for right. what you cover. Right. Because you are also a husband and father. That's right. right? There's another side to you. Uh, you worked 17 years for the Associated Press here in the Twin Cities. So what lessons did you learn during those years? Associated Press, of course, you know, supplies news to newsrooms all over the world. That's a tough job. Yeah, you, you learn to be quick. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to just write, uh, distill things to their, their, their core essence. Mm-hmm. You learn to, you know, 
make cold calls all the time of people. You know, you're you're constantly showing up on scene. You have to ask the questions that you think will will just get right to the nub of the story. And there can be no errors because it gets spread <laughs> to so many other newsrooms. Absolutely, they had these things called correctives, and if you made an error, <laughs> they put a corrective out. No, 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 no. It was kind of like a scarlet letter. So, right. and you learn to be a generalist. You don't mm-hmm. know one day you're you're covering the Capitol, the next day you could be covering a plane crash. You could be covering uh, some festival or doing doing a, a feature story. So you have to really learn to do a lot of different things. And right. I think it's valuable. Most of my career uh, as a reporter was in, was in television. I was general assignment. Um, so political coverage, though, uh, having a beat, a specialty, that requires having uh, a network of sources. So mm-hmm. what has that been like trying to establish relationships with people so that they trust you to come to you and, and return your phone calls? Yeah, you know, I think part of it is just getting to know people also on a human level. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're they're a state lawmaker or a campaign manager or even the governor, but they're people as well. And the more you can connect to them on a human level, you you want to ask about their family, you want to ask about their hobbies, and sometimes that can really kind of uh, make the the conversation on the harder things go a bit easier because they know you're not necessarily coming out there coming guns blazing from from the get go. And so I really take a I take pride in getting to know people beyond just what their title is. And I always tell people, if, if, if I write something you like, let me know. If I write something I don't, you don't like, let me know too. I don't want to necessarily think that, that the way that I present something is always going to be seen uh, in the same light by everybody. And if somebody has a legitimate gripe, I want to hear it because I want to fix it if it was wrong or understand it if there was more to know about it. You told a great story, uh, Brian, about how you came to NPR at the retirement party last year for Mike Mulcahy, our longtime political editor. Uh, would you share some of that? You know, uh, and you talked about what made you take that leap from the AP to come to Minnesota Public Radio. Sure, I was a guy who dealt with words on a page mostly. You know, I wasn't necessarily someone who who could go around with a microphone, and I was really nervous. You know, leaving your comfort zone is hard. Yes, even though I was going to be doing roughly the same beat. I was going to be doing it in a different way. And I had to learn, you know, how to how to record stuff, how to edit stuff. And Mike was like, don't worry about it. You're going to think, like in the first few weeks, you're like, what did I do? I made a big mistake. But then six months, something's going to click. And almost like on the calendar, something clicked. Six months to the, to yeah. the date. <laughs> and so it, it was a matter of him trusting me. And now as somebody who's in his old role mm-hmm. it's important for me to understand that people come in with different skill sets you know you can you can have a really really good reporter who has no technical skills and you just need to learn to bring them up or you can have somebody who's great at the the radio production side who doesn't have the subject matter knowledge and you help them along there and so mm-hmm. that that was kind of what i learned from that experience is that he was willing to take a leap of faith with me and so i'm going to hope to do that for the people who i'm working with now that's a great story and uh, what do you like about working with audio I listen in a different way for things, whereas before mm-hmm. you were looking for that snappy quote, the one that maybe had mm-hmm. a little pithiness to it. Now it's a matter of how somebody delivers. They can say something that is very, very ordinary, but the emotion behind it and just what it – kind of how they deliver it can really be compelling when you're put, tone, putting together this story. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, What are some of the changes you've seen in your career and, and how elected officials do their jobs and how they respond to the media since your early days in journalism? I think things have become a lot more reactionary that in the past, people would be willing to give their colleague on the other side of the aisle or somebody they don't necessarily agree with a little more latitude. Now it's, you got to 
take it out on them right away. You, 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 you don't give them much room. You're calling for them to resign. You're calling for them to apologize. You're just, you know, it, think, attacking in some ways. There, there's a, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, there's an attack mode. And, and in a way, part of it has to do with just how lawmakers and others communicate with their constituents before they communicated in large part through, you know, the, the written press and the, and the, the radio broadcasts and, and now they go straight to them on social media and they there's a lot of push and pull there. So platforms. they're a lot more concerned about right. how they come off. And so so they're, they're, a lot of lawmakers are more standoffish with the media because they don't want to get themselves in a situation where they say something that, that might not go off well at home. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most memorable stories or, or issues that you have covered uh, as an NPR News uh, political reporter? Well, I still remember the state of the state address uh, that Governor Mark Dayton gave where, you know, those state of the state addresses are usually pro forma. The governor gets up there in front of the legislature, says, here's what I have done or want to do. Everyone claps or boos and then they all go home. And and this one, the governor uh, was giving his speech and getting to the to kind of the newsy part of the speech because we knew we had the, the transcript. And which governor are you talking about? Mark Dayton. Mark Dayton, yes. And he uh, he fell. Yes. He collapsed. He fainted. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments where it changed the story. We are live on radio. Mike was quarterbacking us. And it just really – everyone jumped into action. Like you were asking the questions. What happened? How serious is it? How's he now? What does this mean for mm-hmm. him? What does this mean for the, the state? And uh, you know, just having to, to really think in the moment. Obviously, election nights are always – fun because it culminates the right. the kind of the end of a, what is a grueling period for for candidates for voters for reporters mm-hmm. uh and so it's always fun to see how the results shake out debates you, you know you never know what's going to happen and what's going to be said those are the types of things that that stick out to me so in addition to being a political editor here at NPR News you will be hosting Politics Friday you're going to be mm-hmm. sitting right here in my seat uh hosting uh this is the uh NPR News weekly politics show it's an hour long it starts up again this Friday right here uh, on NPR News at noon. So what do you have planned uh, for Politics Friday? We're going to hear from House Speaker Melissa Hortman, the, who is going on her, uh, I think it's her sixth year in that in that position as House Speaker, and she was a caucus leader before that. We're also going to hear from House Minority Leader Lisa Damoth. So these are two of the people who will be uh, in the news a lot. In the news a lot in this coming year. And, that, and it's part because the House, the, all 134 seats in the House are up for election. So there's going to be that battle for control. So we'll hear a lot of the campaign themes come out in the discussions that, that they're going to be having in public and then in, in interviews. Uh, we'll also have our, our very popular Voices of the Capitol segment is going to be back for Politics Friday, where we give you a, a few minutes of a, the sound and the voices of politicians and the public when they come up to make their case and just mm-hmm. just try to capture what goes on at the Capitol in a given week. So what guides you uh, and your team as you pick topics and guests for the hour? Well, we're going to try to stay on top of what issues are in the news that week. But we also want to introduce people to newsmakers, candidates. Uh, so we'll have some candidates come on. But more, it's about giving issues room to breathe that you don't necessarily get in that minute-long newscast spot or even a three-minute story. We really want people to discuss what's going on, what their motivations are, what the downsides or upsides of the things that they're they're talking about are going to be. How is our politics team thinking about um, how we'll be covering elections this year? Well, elections have become much more nationalized, even on the city level, the state level. Uh, and so 
a lot of our concentration is going to be on how is that presidential race filtering down? How are voters thinking about it? Are voters turned off by what they're hearing? Are they not going to vote? Are, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what's driving people. And that's going to be a lot of our efforts are going to be just trying to understand what's motivating voters this year. Tell us about your team. Yeah, we have Dana Ferguson, who's been with us for a couple of years now. She's uh, the, the, one of our senior reporters up at the state capitol. We have Clay Masters, who comes to us from Iowa, has been covering politics for a long time. Mark Sedeklik, he he does a lot of our political coverage. He's been on the road a lot already this year, and he'll be covering some of the, the, the big races for U.S. Senate and Congress. And then we have Ellie Roth, who's a political fellow for us, and she's going to be doing a lot to connect to younger voters and, and mm-hmm. things that, that speak to a, a generation that necessarily hasn't grown up following politics as closely as, as a lot of us have. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Brian Bax, the political editor here at NPR News since last October. Before that, a political correspondent at NPR for almost eight years and with the Associated Press as well. We'll continue our conversation with the NPR News politics team here on the first day of the legislative session. In a few minutes, I'll be talking with senior politics reporter Dana Ferguson. Next, we're going to listen to my conversation with another member of the NPR News politics team. Dana Ferguson is one of our senior politics reporters, and she joined NPR in August of 2022. So she's been with us now for two elections and one full legislative session. Before that, Dana covered Minnesota state government for the Forum News Service, which distributes stories to newspapers across the state. I started our conversation by asking Dana how she got her start in journalism. So I got really interested in journalism in high school. Um, I went to high school in St. Louis Park and had a phenomenal teacher there named Lori Keekley. Uh, She was just really inspirational, encouraged us all to Mm -hmm. press for answers, even when it was really hard and ask tough questions. So that's where I got my start, I would say. And then from there, pursued it in college, had the opportunity to work on the college paper Um, had several internships. So I got to go test the waters in a more Mm -hmm. professional atmosphere and see how different teams work. Yeah, internships are great because you learn what you like and what you don't like. So true. And what you're really good at and what you're not. And um, this this is really interesting to me that you worked a short time uh, on the entertainment desk at the Los Angeles Times. Uh, What was it like uh, living there in California and, and covering Hollywood? It was very exciting, glitzy, glamorous, like covering red carpet events. This was the era when Pharrell had that really big hat. Oh, um, yes. The happy era. Uh And I got to meet uh, Kristen Wiig in her bridesmaids era, which for me was very formative. Yeah. (laughs) um, Just a really cool experience to see this massive, massive industry Mm -hmm. sort of from the inside and how it works and how all these key players operate. California was a very different experience, obviously, than living in Minnesota or Indiana, where I went to college. So Mm -hmm. a cool experience, a massive newsroom, the LA Times, which was very exciting to see at that time. Yes, a really good point. Yeah. Um, But I realized that that maybe wasn't the beat where I felt quite where I was meant to be. Wait, that's what I said, that that exposure to different types of journalism helps you kind of hone in like, okay, this is my sweet spot. This is what I really care about. And this is what I'm really good at. And for you, it's political uh, coverage. So what do you like about uh, 
talking with politicians, talking with people about issues and policies that affect them. Why do you enjoy being a political reporter? I really enjoy being a political reporter because um, the Mm -hmm. things that our elected officials do every day have such a profound impact on our lives, whether that's deciding where our tax dollars go, what services go out to our communities, um, the laws that we have to live by. Mm-hmm. It's really significant, and I think it's super important that we have folks who hold those people to account and make sure that they are following through on the promises that they made on the campaign trail, the things that are most important to Minnesotans, and also trying to help people understand what they are doing. And if they're not seeing the results that they might want to see at the Capitol or elsewhere, um, trying to understand what that disconnect is. There, are, I'm sure... That- well, I know there are difficult times, right? I, I mean, I'm sure there are stories that you write that people don't like. They don't like that you pointed out something that they said or they did. Uh, it can get heated at times. How do you handle that when you get in the middle of a dispute? It's hard. And I think we try our best to be fair, to think about all the ways that someone might disagree and the ways that we can make sure that all voices that are significant and need to be incorporated in a story are included or that we give every person the chance to speak with us, even if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just so important, the work that politicians are doing, and we need to tell them. And have you seen a change, um, you know, in recent years from when you first started covering uh, politics, um, the legislative sessions, uh, uh, to what you see now? How has, has it changed? Um, I think the rhetoric has really heated up covering state government and politics, and some of that is driven just by covering different states. I started out in Wisconsin, moved over to South Dakota, and then came back to Minnesota. Mm. Um, so there are just different kinds of politicians, Three different kinds of very folks different, right? um, that are acting in these spaces and I think have a different way of communicating and expressing their discontent with a mm-hmm. reporter or um, rather than coming to me and sharing things that they don't agree with the way that I portrayed them. Um, there are some politicians that have attacked me and tried to discredit me in my reporting. So I've seen a wide range mm-hmm. of reactions. I think that folks here in Minnesota are better about trying to build relationships with reporters because they know um The work that we do in educating Minnesotans about policies, about Mm -hmm. politicians, candidates, it's important. And we have a very news literate audience that um, can kind of see through some of the attacks, I think. Yeah, our listeners are paying attention. They are. Um, and you you made the shift. You were a newspaper reporter. So you've made this shift from print to radio. What has that been like for you working with audio as well as words? It's been a a challenge at times. <laughs> um, it's hard to get on the air and go live right away and explain exactly what's happening when you're in a breaking news environment, mm-hmm. um, while also writing up a web story and trying to do everything all at once. It gave me such a profound respect for our newsroom and the work that folks do every day to not only get those newscasts out immediately, write these packages. Um, it has to be right. And it has to be right on time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a change for me. It's been awesome, too, because there are so many stories that you can tell with audio in a way that you just can't with print alone. Yeah, great value. Hearing the human voice tell a story. Very powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think it lends credibility to our reporting that they can hear the folks that we're talking to. They know that we didn't just pull a quote out of nowhere. 
you hear it yourself. We pulled it from someone's yeah. mouth into our recorder, but right. that's about they, all that's we can do. Um, you've been really busy, like so many of us in the last year, the last few years. Uh, what comes to mind as one of the more memorable stories that you've covered in the last year uh, and a half since you came to NPR News? Yeah. To me, one of the things that stands out is our reporting around abortion and the changes in Minnesota since the fall of Roe. We've done a fair mm-hmm. amount covering just how that legal landscape has changed significantly and also what it's meant for people here in Minnesota, patients, providers, and also folks traveling from around the country as they're seeing restrictions in their states. Um, also, I hearken back to a lot of our coverage before the election, just because we were so busy. And that's when I just got started here. <laughs> um, like, jump in. Yes. <laughs> going to the state fair in my first week and oh. following politicians and mm-hmm. working on a story right away and just trying to capture the mood of politics at that time. But also the corn dogs, the pronto pups, <laughs> the folks at the fair that just have no interest in talking about politics and mm-hmm. everything in between. Let's talk about uh, this legislative session, the 2024 legislative session. Uh, this year, the public bonding bill will be a priority at the session. And as I say, public bonding bill, I, I don't know a whole lot about <laughs> it. So remind us what that is and how you will approach covering it. Yeah. So every other year, the off year when they're not working on a budget, the biggest priority for legislators is to work on this big package of public projects around the state. So local communities, state agencies, colleges um, put in billions of dollars of requests for state assistance. And they're hoping, really hoping to get this money so that they can move forward with these important projects. Um, The state does not have endless money, so they have to prioritize. And because they take on debt through bonds to pay for these projects, there have to be Republicans on board with Democrats to get anything done. Agreement. There has to be bipartisan Mm -hmm. agreement, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen all the time, uh, very rarely, in fact. And so it's a unique time at the Capitol where folks are having to work across the aisle and um, persuading folks, like, wouldn't you want to see this ice rink in your backyard? Don't you want this building Um, So Mm -hmm. just kind of a different dynamic there. Something I'm learning that's in my notes here about you, you speak Spanish. Are you like fluent in Spanish or just very good at reading and writing? Um, I am fluent. I had the fortune to go to a Spanish immersion school growing up Mm. um, and have kept at it as much as I can. Uh, In the time since, I did an internship in Spain working at a newspaper in southern Spain, the Costa del Sol. Mm-hmm. So, Do you get to use it much in your reporting? Um, not as much as I would like, um, but I'm optimistic that there will be more of an opportunity because there are so many communities that mm. primarily speak Spanish and have incredible stories that we should tell. What do you do in your downtime? After you've covered a, you know, a hearing or um, you know, something that's just been really stressful, what do you do to unwind? I like to spend time with my family. I have an adorable niece named Penny. She is almost 11 months old. Oh, baby. Love baby. (laughs) Um, I love to watch just whatever the hot show is on Netflix or Apple TV or what have you so that I can disconnect a little bit, go running, cooking. I love to travel. It helps me mentally get away from some of the stresses of the job, but then come back and replug right back into it so I can go, go, go. 
Well, we've been talking with Dana Ferguson, one of our senior politics reporters. Dana, I'm so glad you're with us here at NPR News and so happy I got get to learn more about you. Thanks, Angela. We know our NPR News politics reporters are busy today covering the start of the uh, 2024 legislative session there at the state capitol. But earlier, I invited uh, the newest member of the NPR News politics team to join me here in the studio so I could get to know him better. Clay Masters is his name. And Clay started here as a senior politics reporter in January, so just last month. Before that, he worked for more than a decade in the Iowa Public Radio Newsroom as a state house and political correspondent. He also hosted Iowa Public Radio's Morning Edition program. Now, I started our conversation by asking Clay how he got interested in journalism. I received the uh, worst advice uh, from my high school guidance counselor when I didn't know what I was going to do. And he said, if you don't know what you want to do, consider going into business. So I was a business major uh, starting out in college and wasn't enjoying it. And I started looking at that this was back when uh the newspaper the college newspaper was actually distributed on college campuses yeah. and i was looking through the arts and entertainment section there was there was a review of a band i really liked and it wasn't a very good article and i thought well i can do a better job than this so <laughs> i applied for a job at my college newspaper i had friends that incur i was the senior arts and entertainment reporter and i had my friends were like why are you still a business major you should look into journalism i switched majors i started interning at the public radio station in my hometown of lincoln nebraska and that just was kind of what the spark that it took yeah. and led me down this path. And so for a lot of us who uh, study journalism and know at a very early age, this is what we want to do. Um, we fall into, I guess, what we call beats or areas of interest, what we cover. Uh, you're a political reporter. Uh, why the interest in politics? Because I find that really challenging, uh, interviewing politicians and, uh, you know, trying to navigate those types of stories. Well, that all kind of started with when I was working in Nebraska, I basically was taking any job that the newsroom would give me. So I was <laughs> I was working as, right. a, as a weekend announcer for a while. I was a producer. I started co- uh, covering some economic issues at one point. And, you know, if they needed another body to be down at the unicameral there in, in Lincoln, they, they would send me. And so I started covering hearings. And, and what really attracted me to covering politics was not so much covering politics itself, so much as the, the way that policy, the way that laws actually affect people. How they and live. So, yeah, yeah, and how they live. And so you have to spend time in the trenches of, of state houses and in uh, committee rooms, reading bills to get an idea of how the players work. So then you can actually go out and interview the people who are relying on a, on Medicaid or the, the people who uh, are concerned about the water that we drink. Mm-hmm. The only way that you can do an accurate job of making elevating their their causes, their concerns, is by understanding the way that the political game is played. And so that's really what attracted to me is it's telling the stories of people, but to tell the stories of people that are affected by policy, you have to put in the time. Right, right. Absolutely. And, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. Has covering politics changed a lot uh, since you first started doing it? Yeah. So down south in in Iowa, I was really covering. So I was the morning edition host and the lead political reporter, which on paper makes no sense to have both those jobs under <laughs> under one under one head. Um, 
but I was covering a lot of the the Iowa caucuses and the campaigns that were happening. And, and when I came to Iowa almost 12 years ago, uh, the state was a very purple state. And it was the House was controlled by Republicans. The Senate was controlled by Democrats. And it was a very felt like a very middle of the road kind of state. There were deals being made in the legislature. There was this kind of catchphrase in the 2013 legislative session in Iowa that, you know, Des Moines is not D.C. We actually get things done. And what we had seen since 2016 was just this uh, – this far uh, move to the right in the state. And that had been really interesting to watch and to cover. And, you know, I think I was probably maybe a little naive in thinking that, you know, people could come together and, you know, solve their differences or at least work together. And you you really have, have seen that change. And with the, the diminishing of, of newsrooms in local newspapers across the country. Staff cuts. Staff cuts. Yeah. You've also seen just a real nationalization of uh, politics. And so, you know, with covering national campaigns for the caucuses, I was finding myself covering more and more what candidates were saying about national issues and less about what was actually happening in mm. the state of Iowa. So that's those have been two marked changes that I've seen in the last 12 years or so. Or what about uh, just the accessibility of politicians? Are they more accessible or less accessible now? Well, um, I would argue that in some places they are less accessible. Uh, I, I've already caught from covering the first month here in Minnesota that you know, the people that are in the leadership positions are willing to speak. The, a lot mm-hmm. of the Republicans who are in the minority here want to talk, want to have a voice because they are in the minority. And so I am kind of feeling uh, some similarities to the way things were when I started covering politics in Iowa, where there is more of a sense of uh, just accessibility uh, here, which I'm trying not to be too naive about. Uh, <laughs> and so we'll see as, as the session gets going. Um, let's talk about that, the legislative session. Um, how have you been preparing to jump into the session? I mean, you're part of a team, so you don't have to, to shoulder at all. But yeah. um, what do you do to get ready to um, cover uh, the Minnesota legislature uh, now that you're in a different state? Yeah, just familiarizing myself with the different districts, uh, with the way that the process works for, you know, subcommittees into committees and asking Dana Ferguson a lot of questions <laughs> and Brian Bass. She's a good person and Brian yeah, to ask yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to have uh, two uh, colleagues in the politics team that I can, uh, you know, tap their shoulder a lot on. And does Minnesota feel different from uh, Iowa politically? Have you seen much of a difference? I mean, yeah, just because of the the makeup of the state house, and you have the trifecta of the Tim Walls, and then the the House and Senate, both controlled by Democrats. Down in Iowa, it's the opposite; it's the mm-hmm. Republican trifecta, and so the priorities uh, that the, each chamber is bringing forward, I'm already seeing a lot of differences. And uh, you know, my second week here, I was covering a uh, medical aid in dying, or what opponents call assisted suicide bill, that was being talked about in a subcommittee. Where you didn't hear anything like that uh, in, in in Iowa. So uh, when you're not. Um covering politics. I know you have a life outside of work. Uh, you've got uh, a wife and uh, two kids. Uh, so you're you're navigating this move to Minnesota. So uh, tell me about, you know, how do you think that affects your how you view politics? Uh, having um, a family and, and being really invested in like the future of your kids? Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly 
brings a new perspective as to how you are covering things when you're thinking about the future that it will leave for your children. And so, yeah, it's a new perspective that's brought forward. Right. And education, because you, sh- you have to find schools. You're still kind of figuring out school <laughs> yeah, districts. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, that's a whole party. <laughs> I can help you with that, maybe. All right. Right. It's all you have choices. And then um, I have in my notes here that uh, you like the outdoors, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, bike riding. What does yeah. bike riding do for you? Um, well, so I, uh, a number of years ago, got into running and uh, I tried for a few half marathons. And I, I should tell people you're very tall. How tall yeah, are you? I'm six foot six. That's Ooh, right. So yeah. You're taller than I thought. So I'm the, the guy that you don't want standing in front of you at concerts. Or <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I got into running about 2016 um, and I was learning that I needed to do more for conditioning myself instead of just running all the time. And so I started getting into biking as well. Um, And so uh, actually NPR, National Public Radio, has a group uh, that we put together for RAGBRAI, which is the bike ride across Iowa. And I've done that a few times. Uh, And it's basically like a party on wheels. And it's all about like, you know eating pie and drinking. And I thought, this is, this is exercise? Like, mm-hmm. And so cycling has been something that I've uh, attempted to try to work into my life as well. Right now, I'm just driving back and forth and uh, trying to figure out how to live in a new place. But yeah. We have lots of great bike trails. Yeah, right? you do. I've been, be I've been checking it out on my phone. And right. hey, if I had more time, I'd be able to actually go bike right now because right. it has felt like spring. So uh, for the very first time, I went fly fishing in Wyoming uh, last year. And you like to fly fish. I do. Uh, I don't anymore. I grew up uh, in Nebraska and my brother and my dad and I would take trips to north central Nebraska into the Sand Hills, which is uh, there. you can't do row crop agriculture there. And so there's a lot of ranching, but it looks like it would have looked hundreds of years ago. And I grew up fly fishing in north central Nebraska and it's I, I canoed up there and everything. It's a very holds a very special place in my heart. So nice. maybe someday I'll be able to we can go to Wyoming together and, and I'd and love to go fish. back. Okay. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it is it's hard, yeah. Hard. It takes a lot of patience. <laughs> and then And um, it prepares me for covering politics at a young that's what that's what set the standard for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I think there's 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 balance there. I could see that. And then the music scene, you enjoy live music. I do enjoy yeah. live music. So I mean I had mentioned at the outset of this conversation that it was a an article in the college newspaper about a band I really liked. And so, I mean, I, I uh, really enjoy the music scene up in Minnesota. My wife is from up here, and we've gone to a lot of concerts over the years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to be able to to go to all these places. And the current, like it's upstairs. It it's is. amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm nice ecstatic to be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I think a lot of journalists, uh, myself included, you know, have really been struggling the last few years because the you know the, the burnout in in our industry as others it's there it's been tough so I'm happy to hear that you've got things that you like to do outside and yeah. that you enjoy music because I think that is important for all of us to do to find things that kind of help us manage you know stressful jobs work and life balance work right? life balance but, I think I've heard uh, you talk about that yeah on show. <laughs> we talk a lot about that you seem to have that which is great because we're going to need that I mean I admire anyone who can um, follow politics really closely and then turn around and write about it so yeah. I, I'm glad that you're here and part of the team. That's kind of you to say. Happy to be here. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you, Clay. Clay Masters joined NPR News as a senior politics reporter in January and before that uh, worked for more than a decade in the Iowa Public Radio Newsroom as a state house and political correspondent. Thanks for your time, Clay. I'll let you get back to work. All right. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.